Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast that dissects the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, one minute at a time, with special guests Kestra and Andrew Dorowski. That's right. This is Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. I'm here with my co-host, Annie McMullen. Hello. And I am Chris Blair. And we are joined again for the second time this week, friends of the show, from the Disney Animation Minutes Essentials podcast, we have Kestra and Andrew Dorowski. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for joining us again for this next minute. Any feelings so far overall different about Roger Rabbit and the movie in general from, um, from diving deep into these minutes? I... I was having so the the first time we were on was like really early on with the film and Mm -hmm. I feel like those minutes were like pure comedy and this is like a lot more tension right like they're going to be found out Roger's hiding um and so this is like a much more tense set set of minutes it feels like yeah what which minutes did you guys do last time um we were in the the Film studio office. office yeah with the That's... with the raised desk and <laughs> and the decanter um, yeah, yeah yeah and, and uh, what yeah. P- pistol possum <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pistol pistol packing possum. yeah and the decanter from the minute that we had recorded uh sadly exploded uh oh. and is uh no longer with us yeah that um, was those that was a hard one <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's funny that you're mentioning that um, the last minutes you're on had way more comedy and this one is way more tense when the last minutes barely had any, any cartoon cartoons. characters. Yeah, this one is just completely full of Roger and, mm-hmm. and yeah. other cartoon characters. And, yep. I agree with Andrew. I mean, I've only seen Roger Rabbit all the way through once, I think. Really? Just that one time? I think it was just that one it? time we watched it and I've seen clips here and there um but and obviously i've watched these minutes but yeah i think i've only seen it all the way through once it was something i i didn't grow up with so um yeah it's 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 hard to say like if i see things differently especially because like the first time i watched it it was to prepare for those first few Mm -hmm. minutes so i i well and the fact that you said like you you like pointed out that our first minutes didn't really have a lot of cartoons and then these minutes have a ton of Roger, but like these minutes are more tense and serious. Like this is like the more noir ish section. And even the, our, you know, our previous minute with the weasels, like that's a very noir, like you're getting hassled by a bunch of goons kind of thing. And so I'm wondering, like, I'm trying to think through the movie. It's like, yeah, when the tunes are there, is that when the movie is more serious? Like it, like, and that's not going to be consistent, but and to some degree it's like, oh yeah. Like the tunes are the ones in danger. Like that's where yeah. the, the tension and the drama is. And when it's like mostly humans, it's actually kind of goofy. And, 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 and they do that a lot with like having the tunes like have serious jobs right like like when they're in the club and betty boop is serving tables it's like oh that's a bummer because like she used to be a star yeah and they try to make them tune like and and have some funny moments especially with roger rabbit like the way that he speaks um like 
that's typically something that would would lead to laughter like obviously he would say something that would lead to laughter he would do something that would lead to laughter however um everything's uh, revolving around him because um he was framed and he uh and people are trying to get him and but he's the focus of crime and so yeah it's it's interesting that when we were in the beginning of the film that it was hardly any cartoons and we were all uh laughing and and have a great time and i think that was also partly because it was the exposition that they were still setting things up as well mm. and now we're into the 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 meat of the film yeah i think i think you guys are right i think um the tunes are really the only people in this so far who have any like stake you know who there's yeah. no there's no um there's no consequences for anybody else yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I mean, maybe you see a little bit of that with, uh, like the cops, right. Like, cause they've watched the, the shoe get killed in the dip and they kind of, you know, the cops that are very steeped in Toontown, I think, uh, there's some sense of like consequence, but, um, otherwise really there's, it's just the tunes who have any kind of like stake in what's going on yeah yeah that's a good point it's uh the tunes who are in the most danger and causing a lot of danger too and it's it's really weird in like this minute and the next minute in particular with roger where it's like okay roger can't help but be funny like it's literally his nature is to be <laughs> goofy and funny and wild but like he's really stressed out about his life yeah. He's like, but I'm a cartoon. Like, I don't like stressed out, uh, stressed for my life. Like, being scared for my life is not part of my existence. But, but like, being goofy and wild, because also like, yeah, they get pianos dropped on them. They get refrigerators dropped on them. Like, they... could he even drown in the sink? Like, he can't be. He, like, he can't drown, right? No, no, I mean, I think, I think so. tunes live in this like really messed up space where like they can feel all the suffering, but they can't die, and they can't. Like, and it's not like painful, it. really, but like, but also like they can feel the a little bit of the pain. It feels like, and I don't know if that's going to be just like emotional pain or it's just like, yeah, a refrigerator dropped on me. I know it's supposed to hurt, like. Well, it, it like he like he keeps hitting himself. He's like, I could do stars. I could do stars. Like that's yeah. from the beginning where he keeps getting birds. He's like, oh, I'm not performing correctly. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so he has like stress and tension. It's but literally it's... in his nature to be able to do something funny to to always be improving and like, on like point. He of... Can't take it seriously. Can't right. take it seriously. Yeah. Like not not that he like doesn't have the like. He doesn't want to. No, or... it's, he's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm a cartoon character, and this is like the character that I play. Like, I can't take it seriously. I mean, even even when he finds out that Jessica Rabbit is uh, doing pat patty cake, like, it's like <laughs> the way he's crying. He's he's putting on a show as he's crying, and yeah, I don't know like... if he's like absolutely 100% devastated or not and it's just I, well and I think that like it's his authentic emotion yes but the way that it is executed by his cartooniness has to be funny yeah. it's like 
no, like I'm really crying, but yes, I have to do a really funny blow my nose, make the handkerchief like exactly. wet and gross. Yeah. Like that's just how his physiology. Yeah. No, we, we, I think that that's like, at least that's canon around here. Right. Like yeah. that, um, tunes have like a shtick and that, uh, they are compelled yeah like with an inability to stop themselves from and, yeah like doing their bit and we don't we don't talk about it in our minutes but it's like i could do this thing but only when it's funny like yeah i can't like this i can't yeah. do this thing because it's useful or for self-preservation nope. my existence is to make the gag yeah yep and and we see um that he in this minute he he says he says something along the lines that he's grateful for Eddie for saving his life, right? He says that, and then, but like he obviously didn't enjoy being just underwater the entire time, yeah. and now he's not enjoying being in Eddie's coat. Like it's does, does it's like mean... okay, but you're a cartoon. You should be able to like do this and but he he's trying he to make like, it funny and, yeah yeah he has to like he, he, can't he has help to it. keep moving and does that mean so like in the previous minute when he pops out when the weasels aren't looking he can only do it at an opportune moment when the weasels aren't looking but then he's like i have to be all like agitated and flustered he's like under the water he's actually not really causing problems but as soon as the weasels aren't looking he's like okay now i have to pop out and spit out the water <laughs> because it's tension yeah it's like story yeah. this sounds like man the tune life is sounding really awful like it sounds like they're these weird slaves of like of comedic comedy, reality absolutely yeah. <laughs> it's like a slave of comedy yeah no absolutely it sounds horrifying yeah he's like no i can't do something out of self-preservation i can only do something if it's funny like yeah. my existence is not self-fulfilling my existence is serving yeah, no, this movie is dark. <laughs> it's like really dark concept yeah. to be like, oh, no, we create characters and we imbue them with life and vitality. And it's just so that we can laugh. Yeah. Like, Whoa, wait a second. Like, this is like, like they, they, exp like he experiences pain. Like he gets a refrigerator dropped on him. And experiences pain and discomfort so that we can laugh about all of that. He's like, yeah, but like, I kind of experience the pain because if I don't experience the pain, then it's not funny. Yeah. Yeah, man. Humans are like, not cool. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. I like, I wonder if all the different cartoon characters have their own thing. Like Roger seems to be his purpose is pure comedy. Yeah. But like a cartoon character, like like a villain can't help but do something in a little bit of an evil way. Like mm -hmm. the weasels can't help but do something, but in a little bit of a dumb way, if they're going to do anything. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably true. Yeah. Right. Like they, they have to exist in their way, but, but like they've been created with that way. And man, it's weird to think about, but like, yeah, when Rogers is like, no, I can't do this thing. I can only do this when it's when it's funny. Yeah. Like that's the only way I can do this thing. Yeah. It's like, but you could do it. No, I can't do it unless it's <laughs> like funny for the viewer, which is a very weird meta thing. I know we're jumping into into minutes that we're not even gonna be on, but that's a very weird meta thing where it's like Roger knows that he's in the movie, 
And he's like, I can't take my hand out of the handcuff unless it's the moment where it'll be funny for the audience. And the audience is like, I know that there's an audience and Eddie does not know that there's an audience and Dolores does not know there's an audience. And so it's like, because it's not funny to Eddie that Roger does that. It's funny to us that he does that. And so it's like, wait, does Roger have like a deeper sense of reality? Yeah, it might just be like this objective audience. Like if to the to the average person, if they're going to find it funny, that's the choice he has to make. Like if there were an audience, they would find it funny. Yeah. Yeah. Not if there is, but if there were. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie's frustration makes it even funnier. So that's why if Eddie like wouldn't be so frustrated at Roger only being able to do it, then Mm -hmm. uh, he would have been able to take it out a long time ago. Well, I think, but I think that's, I think this just speaks back to like, Eddie is kind of a tune in a lot of ways. Like at least for the purposes of this movie, like Mm -hmm. he he is a tune. His hatreds of to- his hatred of tunes is like, in a lot of ways, a self hatred. Um, we see a ton of flashbacks to him being goofy and very tuny, and he still is, but he's just like the Eeyore tune, you know. <laughs> like his bit is being curmudgeonly and broken and whatever, but he still very much like lives in a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dolores yeah. too, yeah. like. Uh... She's got a little, she's got some sass to her. She can't not say the, uh, do you have a rabbit in your pocket? Are you just happy to see me joke? <laughs> Stupid joke. <laughs> but, okay, so I've been trying to figure out, and I don't know, this is a, another of like, how did they actually pull this off? This is maybe like the most significant, I, it might be like the only significant sequence where we have a tune interacting with the reality and we don't see the tune at all. Yeah. Right. Like inside the jacket. Cause I was watching the minute and if you watch like closely, like they have put some air pumps or something in yeah. the shoulders of his jacket and everything. So like his shoulder is bulging out and like, that's not Bob Hoskins, like nudging his <laughs> shoulder up. Like there is a, no. like an air pump that is going on inside this jacket in weird, random spots to evoke the idea that Roger is like crammed up in here and he's like squirming all over all mm-hmm. around and like putting his hands in different spots. It's done so well. Yeah. It's but really it's like, good. Who thought of like, okay, but I need to make it look like there's something else underneath this coat. Cause for a while I thought it's like, okay, like, is it just Bob Hoskins sticking his left arm around in the coat? And it's definitely not. Yeah. No, I think you're right about the air pumps, but even when you watch it thinking that, because I thought I had the same thought, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, clearly, like... And there's no Roger on the screen at all. Right. But it, it, it... you can tell that there's definitely, like, some air pumps involved, but then there are moments where you're like, oh, maybe it's something else, because, like, it's... It's it's pretty complex, what they do. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, again. Again, it, and it, you can tell it's definitely, like, practical effects, right? Like, now they would just cgi it and it would probably look a little weird yeah um and it's it's not it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) but and and again like roger he's not gonna pop out when everyone can see him only when it's funny yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and no one in this bar seems to notice that there is something moving in eddie's coat at all wild 
Listen, we have talked a lot about the people in this bar, and they have bigger issues. <laughs> they they live in a world with tunes. None of them are doing well. Like they're like, whatever. He's smuggling a tune. Maybe that's his kink. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's just talk to Eddie about him being in the paper and just ignore that there is some sort of creature crawling around his body. <laughs> also, right now. like they could have seen the ears too, because the ears are are poking out when yeah, he shouts. Dolores and and everyone turns and looks at him, right? Like there's a yeah, uh, yeah. He's yeah, drawing attention. How tall himself. is Dolores, by the way? I think she's normal height. <laughs> I mean, I know Bob. No one else is. Short, but like, it seems like all throughout the bar, like she seems tall in the bar. Like, but then again, I guess nobody else is like really standing up. She just seems real tall. <laughs> but but I mean. I guess Bob Hoskins is is on the short side. He's uh, yeah, he's a a short man. And I'm I never understand how tall Roger is because he seems to be kind of varying heights. It well, yeah, that, you know, with or without it. the ears. Yeah, true. Ooh, great question. Oh. Joanna Cassidy, who plays Dolores, is five foot nine. Yeah. So that's not like, I mean, that's it's very tall for Hollywood. Yeah, that's pretty tall for for a woman in Hollywood. That's yeah. pretty tall, but it's not like outrageously tall. And if she's got like two or three inch heels on, which would be probably she would fairly have to accurate because for this period. Bob Hoskins is five six, so not too short, much shorter than her. Yeah, she like she seems really tall and like statuesque, right? Yes. Like her posture and her her figure, like she has she has like a dynamic silhouette on screen yes for sure i want to do a shout out to uh nish too uh who last week predicted uh made two predictions one that eddie would bring roger to the bar which he was right about at very close but he predicted roger would wind up in eddie's pants at some point with eddie trying to hide him in there so that's that's very close close. (laughs) especially considering the joke yeah yeah especially considering the joke so that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, not not bad predictions. Well, I mean, that's again back to the you know, Roger's compulsions. Like he had to go right to the crotch when <laughs> Eddie put him down, right? Like he just he had to. He probably didn't want to. Yeah. But he was like I'm going to have to go and bulge the front does, of Eddie's pants. Does Roger even know for that moment? Does Roger know that he is contributing to a joke? I think it's self. I think on it's the outside, like on the outside, like on the outside of the jacket. He's like, well, whatever's going on, like I'm, I'm inside this jacket, and I know whatever I end up doing is going to be the funniest option or the funny option. I, I think it's totally subconscious. I don't think he knows at all. Do you think there's like some greater power directing Roger into the funniest <laughs> thing possible? I, I no, want to say I, no. I think it's just like that's his reality like it, it like by greater power like can we say destiny <laughs> yeah we can say it's destiny. just like micro destiny yeah. moments it's i think it's more like you know the uh ancient romans or greeks or whatever had like you know the god of like thunder and stuff and like tunes just have like the god of boner jokes you know <laughs> and that's who is who is directing him at that moment in, in this moment 
this god's yeah. in charge yeah. because it's going to be the best joke. Right. Sometimes it's sometimes it's the like, you know, drop a refrigerator on your head kind of god whatever that like physical pain. <laughs> sometimes it's, you know, this is the god of double entendres. <laughs> this is an interesting theory. We're going to have to keep our eyes open for all the different cartoon deities that we're world building here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a nice moment that all of uh, Eddie's friends are uh, proud of him for uh, making the paper, though. <laughs> like, I, I they guess. don't even care what it's about. <laughs> Just like, hey, good job, buddy. And, like, the way he reacts, he's like, yeah, I guess, what, whatever. He's like, like I'm... I have other issues right now. Please go bother someone else. No, uh, we, we sort of skipped over this. At, oops. No, so uh, at the beginning, right at the beginning of this minute, it, you know, when Roger's thankful for Eddie saving his life or whatever, he gives him a big kiss. And when he releases from the kiss, Eddie's mouth is all wet. Like they, they're so good at Mm -hmm. the details, you know, like he has like a lot of slobber on his face when he's done with that. (laughs) And then that does lead right back into the like weird, you know, uh, Roger stuffed into the coat situation. Mm -hmm. And, Eddie cracks me up. This is this is Eddie being a tune again, right? Because there's no way he's in this situation with that wiggling rabbit inside his coat, and he thinks he's like passing for not having a rabbit in his coat. Like, <laughs> there's no way Eddie is even fooling himself with the way yeah. that this like one of his arms isn't even fully in the sleeve. Yeah, he can't put his left arm in the sleeve because yeah. the handcuff. And- <laughs> like if he. If he could pass as a hunchback, I and and Roger could just stop, like stop moving, moving um, yeah. and be just positioned on his shoulder, it would be okay if he was in a place where no one knew him. But right. because everyone knows that he has a left arm and he's not a hunchback, <laughs> and this is a place he frequents, um, frequently visits, and. it's just not gonna work also everyone's looking for roger and knows you have something to do with him so um eh. it's not eddie's finest detective moment i think maybe maybe everyone just still doesn't want to mess with eddie after the egg incident Uh, oh yeah oh that's true yeah that that he hit him hard so that is (laughs) that is a good deterrent for calling eddie out on being with a cartoon character no less he he's like a real life ninja yeah he is for sure yeah this this reaction that that eddie gives to roger when he kisses him is just it's such disgust too mm-hmm. yeah very cartoony right? yeah very it, cartoony. it's like elmer fudd level right like wiping his mouth spitting with like his arms gonna be all wet from the dish soap and everything <laughs> Uh, why i should probably google it but dolores is always wearing a corsage which i always find interesting like Mm. we think of corsages i don't know do the kids these days even wear corsages but uh like in my day yeah i think they still wear them to prom but she's always got one she's in the world's worst bar where there's just hard-boiled eggs on the counter and you know, and the trams come by. <laughs> it shakes from the from the train, and 
you know, there's bar fights. It's just a bunch of derelicts who don't even notice that a man is smuggling a rabbit into his jacket in in his jacket. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna just throw on this corsage. Mm-hmm. She have a watch on her other hand. Um, I think something. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a watch on her other hand. And it's like, it's a small corsage. Yeah. I just did a quick, quick research for corsage. Um, typically they in, are in like the thirties, um, for, for just in general. And, um, but yeah, they are more worn for, um, formal occasions. It looks like maybe early 1900s, they had them a little more frequently, but I don't know for like daily wearing. Yeah. Um, but it says that in ancient times, the Greeks believed that it, a corsage, would be worn uh, to ward off evil spirits. Um, But today it's more for importance and honor and more for formal occasions. Okay. I think maybe it's just like Dolores' little quirk, you know? She's like, I'm quirky. She wore a corsage once and could never (laughs) not wear one ever again. Two and a gift two. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't seem to really fit in with her personality. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would just have to assume that is like kind of a common thing. And like, what year is this set? Mid thirties. Uh, Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Were there tunes in the war? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Probably. Well, yeah. Probably, like I guess there would have had to have been. Well, if you could, if we 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 still don't know the complete origin of a tune, but say humans can create them, wouldn't they just create endless ones to go fight their wars? Yeah. Well, well, we know so, that, I mean, I, I think we've established that tunes work exclusively in entertainment. They do now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe they were too dangerous during the war. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe maybe they, stupid was there and they were like, no, we can never do that again. It's a war crime. <laughs> I mean, we do witness like Donald Duck and Bugs Bunny and various other characters tackling Nazis and and other characters around that time period. Yeah, so. I mean they, they were all in propaganda films at least, so maybe they yeah. just only worked in in the propaganda war films, and we'll say that they didn't actually go fight. But that'd be like a wild Roger Rabbit spinoff. Is like yeah. this tune goes to war, and it's like I can't die. My whole <laughs> regiment is just falling alongside yeah. me, and I can't die. And uh... then I have all these weird powers that I can use against people. It's not good. The trauma, except can a, a tune experience trauma? Only if it's funny. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Well, they definitely can't. I mean, they probably can't, like, kill people. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, like, one of the things for this, for this like, movie is, like, oh, a tune killed his brother. Like, right. oh, a tune killed somebody. That's weird and, and dark and spooky. Yeah. Yeah, it's not right. And so, and so, if they knew about, it'd have to be like a secret opera- operation during the war. Maybe that's what happened to Judge Doom. Like he's the tune that went to war, and he completely lost it, and realized that he was capable of killing. He came, he came in, and was just fine, just a normal cartoon character, and war just completely messed him up. And then, and then he came back from the war, and then he killed again. And he's like, and nobody knows that I did it because it was all off the books. Mm-hmm. And because like he's got like wildly violent powers, so like, okay, this isn't my new backstory for Judge Doom. <laughs> they like tested out sending a tune into the war, and it worked, but they couldn't do anything about it afterwards because they couldn't destroy a tune. 
So do you think he killed during the war? That would be my guess. And then that's and then he came back and he was like, oh, I can do stuff. But then but then he's like, no, tunes are the most dangerous thing. I have to get rid of the tunes. Yeah. And somehow the the highway theory is just an excuse. (laughs) In in this backstory, is he still pistol packing possum? Ooh. Um yes. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. This is a very chaotic, crazy. Okay, we need to see if a tune can kill. This is the most violent tune we can find. Let's see. And they put him in the war. I would love this backstory movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, this would be this would be a great one. (laughs) 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 Well, there is a uh, uh, if we go back to R.K. Maroon's office, one of them is a movie of Roger fighting in the war. Oh um, yeah, I think, a, I think Babe in Arms um, with Baby Herman also fighting. <laughs> so uh, uh, Roger doing a little bit of propaganda films himself. This is actually a uh, great segue to uh, everyone's favorite segment, which is something we call Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. Hypothetical Thursday is where we pose a hypothetical question and listeners, you can respond to it on our Facebook page and we'll read some of our favorites next week. The question this week, speaking of Judge Doom's backstory, is there's a lot of, um, especially in the recent years, we've had... um, various movies exploring different Disney animated movie villain backstories. We've had Cruella. Um, then we've had, um, I know we've had a couple more. Uh, Maleficent. Had, yes, Maleficent. Um, so my question is, what Disney animated villain would you love to see a backstory movie on? Ooh. My initial gut is always to go for either Ursula or the Evil Queen. Um, but, I mean, we know a lot of what Ursula's backstory is supposed there, there to be. There are versions. There are versions. Especially if you go to the Broadway much... musical. Like, yeah. there's, there's, there's stuff there, too. So the Evil maybe Queen doesn't the, really have the Evil Queen, because she doesn't have very much. And, I mean it's very interesting to see like how she became queen because she's the stepmother. Mm-hmm. So where does the magic mirror come from? Yeah. Where does the magic mirror come from? Where does she learn her powers? What's mm. caused her to be so focused about beauty? Like, I think that would be a very uh, cool, interesting uh, story t- to see. And yeah, we get part of it. Like we get like a version of, everyone in the once upon a time series and the evil queen is one of the main characters uh but i don't i i I would love to see a different version i would watch that yeah i'd be into that yeah my first thoughts went towards hades Mm, Mm. another good one just because he's like one of the really likable villains um oh man i'm trying to think I'm trying to like think through the the villains in general, just like tracking through them. Oh, 
I, I don't know if I would want this. Yzma, maybe? I don't know. But I, I would want the Evil Queen. That'd more. actually be pretty cool. It'd be cool. Yzma yeah. would be a, a fun one. Yeah. Early Yzma and Kronk. Mm, how she met Kronk. And also, like, uh, Cusco says, every so every such and such time she gets a new one and, mm-hmm. and this one year's version's called Kronk. Right. And so, so, like, so she's had oh, like who other, are these other ones and why did they leave? Did she kill them? Like, <laughs> I don't she think she killed, killed them. God. <laughs> she's a murderer. <laughs> she, she probably turned them into animals. Oh, probably. And then killed them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe gave them nice lives. Um, um Yzma uh Yzma's a really good one that's that's maybe the best one yeah yeah I would I would definitely watch that one too who would you do Chris I'm torn there's a couple different ones uh one um we we saw the sequel uh to his character and that is Captain Hook um but he's a pirate that wound up in this magical world I would just love to see uh, the adventures, everything that took them to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How how a group of pirates wind up going there. Okay. Uh, so that's one. The other one, Honest John from Pinocchio. Because everybody else in that movie is pretty much, with the exception of Jiminy Cricket, is pretty much a human character. Mm-hmm. Um and he's the one animal character who's completely human, interacts with humans, uh, runs scams and cons with humans. Um, I have a theory that his backstory is he went to, to Pleasure Island, but instead of getting partly turned into a donkey, he got partly turned into a fox. I, I, I think you're probably right with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get to see lots of cons in the movie. Maybe have kind of like a, like a, uh oceans 11 type vibe do it too so um i really like the thing i really need is like the full list of disney villains to like think through yeah um i mean we know scars backstory pretty well so there's some stuff for scars backstory so that one's good um Um, sean Yu is kind of a shallow villain for mulan yeah and so it'd be kind of like i'd be interested in seeing more of him because he's like a pretty solid villain he's just not there very much. I wouldn't want Gaston. No, no I'm not really interested in that. Not... I'm not interested in McLeach. No. Um, I am interested in, in Joanna the Goanna. Oh my goodness, Joanna the Goanna. That'd be the great. The adventures of Joanna the Goanna would be amazing. That's great from Rescue Us Down She's... Under. But, oh. but I don't want McLeach. Uh, yeah, I don't want McLeach. Uh, Medusa? From Rescue Us? From Rescue Us Down Under? From Rescue Us. Right? Yeah, I think she I think oh, she yeah, did from, Rescue from the first yeah, one. Yeah, not from... Yeah. Um, from Rescuers. Um, uh, Clayton, Clayton from Tarzan could be a little bit interesting, um, but like it, not the most interesting. Not the most interesting. And same with same with the villains in Atlantis. Yeah. They wouldn't be as interesting because they're pretty straightforward. Mother Gothel mm. from Tangled. Here's the other thing. I've also read. Uh, yeah, you've I've read also around, read a, novels a bunch of stuff that has additional <laughs> that backstories. have additional backstories, and so it's just like, yeah, but also like, yeah. Um, Doctor Facilier from Princess and the Frog. Oh, I'd love to see how he became a, a, a uh, friend of the other. Like, yeah, like how how he, how got, he got his the dark magic on the other side and got his dark magic, and like, 
what's that, that all about? That'd that be cool. Be, that'd be really that cool. one would probably be a, a pretty good one because he can start out like relatively innocent, uh, just interested in magic yeah. stuff, and then it's like, oh, this is really getting out of hand. Yeah. And the wardrobe and costuming in that movie would be really yeah. off the chart. Yeah, yeah, that that one would be. I think that one could be like Cruella level uh-huh. good. I think for me, it's less about like what we know and don't know, and just about like who would make a good movie. So mm-hmm. I. I would watch. I would watch an Ursula movie easy. Like yes. I any Ursula. You put Ursula in a movie. I'm watching it. Yeah. Because Cruella, uh, yeah, she. We know part of of her story. Like we know that she knows Anita somehow, mm-hmm. and and they blew it out of the water in my opinion that. with Cruella because it was wonderful. Yeah, it's not the Cruella we see in the movie. She's not mm-hmm. there yet. But it's like but they're like, just like telling a story. Oh, it's phenomenal <laughs> um yeah i i i think my top couple are like yzma mm-hmm. evil queen um i think dr Facilier dr facilier maybe, yeah maybe my top one now actually listeners we would love to hear uh who you'd love to see so uh i'll post the question this thursday and respond to us with what villain you want a live action backstory for? This has been Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. Annie, who's who's your MVP? Yeah, I think my I think my MVP has to just be Eddie's trench coat for this mm-hmm. minute because um, really Eddie's doing a terrible job of hiding. Roger Roger's doing a terrible job of hiding uh Dolores's intent on blowing their cover and really the only the only character in this who's working to to maintain some semblance of of secrecy is the trench coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do you think that like the adjustments to the trench coat are integral to that costume piece or do you think there's just some stuff that they actually did just tuck in underneath the trench coat? Oh, great question. You think that, do I think that the, that the trench coat was like specially built or do I think that there's just like a rig under the trench coat? Yeah. Do you think it's a rig underneath or, or a rig as part of this trench coat for this scene? Having some expertise in men's, menswear, uh, through a previous career, I think it's a regular trench coat that they retrofitted with a rig underneath. Okay. Yeah. It's a good, it's just a very classic, like. I will say that I don't think that that fabric is period fabric. To me, this looks mm. like sort of a London fog kind of like microfibery fabric uh, or like a yeah. rayon or tensile that would not have been uh, of 1947. But uh, um, I hate to nitpick this movie because they did do so well with most of the details. And honestly, whatever fabric. So that fabric that they're using is like pretty light. You can tell it's got a lot of movement to it and it's got some really like subtle wrinkling. So you can tell it's like a pretty thin fabric, which I think is probably pretty necessary to get the detail in um, those like bulges that you see, right? Like I would think that I know, I know. yes, I use the word bulge seriously. Well, um, the fact that you like expressed an interest in the details of the bulges. Like if they had used, so traditionally a, a coat, uh, especially like an older one, right? Like barber coats are, they're waxed canvas. So they're pretty stiff and they're pretty mm. like, right. um, 
you know, if you push on like one part of it, especially with something that's like kind of rounded or, you know, not, not just very like pokey, it's going to make like a, it's just going to make the whole jacket flare out. Right. So they needed something that's right. pretty lightweight. Um, so I, I understand why the fabric is probably not necessarily of the period, but I'm pretty sure that this is just a, like a 1980s, like London fog trench coat, like uh rain jacket. Uh, and then, and then they put some sort of apparatus inside. Yeah. Yeah. Underneath. Yeah. Gotcha. But nobody, probably like I'm the only person in the world whose uh, interests come with like a lot of understanding of fabric and then also uh, a weird interest in who framed Roger Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) It's that tricky combo. Yeah. (laughs) That Venn diagram has Annie McMillan and no no one else. I know. And it's so weird that I haven't been able to like, I don't know, translate my skills into something else. Not very marketable, apparently. Well, that is it for today. Thank you for joining us, Kestra and Andrew. Where can people find you at? Uh, you can find us on uh, your podcasting feed uh, with Disney Animation Minute Essentials or Dane. We are also part of Doing Genre, just like you. And our social media is at DizMinute. That's right. So we are a Dueling Genre podcast. You can find all of their podcasts on DuelingGenre.com and click on the link to support you can join our Facebook group at Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit Listeners. Thanks for listening, and we will see you on Friday for minute 45 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. Bye.